to meet me at the movies Noel T. Manning the second here uh, hanging out with uh, Thomas Manning uh, we are uh, we are back in in the virtual world just because we can be and because we wanted to celebrate the life and legacy of a guy named John Williams and we said if we're going to do this we got to bring in Christian Je- Christian Jessup look at him there he is Christian Jessup that's right he, he's been on the show before he talks music he understands music and score and movies and and, and he likes John Williams just a little bit. So, Mr. Jessup, welcome, buddy. Good to see you. Yeah, thanks for having me. I mean, you notice I, I'm beaming. Absolutely thrilled to be here for this episode. Very special. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm kind of intimidated now. I think you might be coming back for your co-host position now that we're talking about music. <laughs> so, yeah, I got a lot to, got a lot to live up to here. So. Yeah. Well, just make it up, Thomas, pretty much like you always do, and we'll be okay. <laughs> no worries. No worries at all, man. No worries at all. This is Meet Me at the Movies. We do talk cinema and uh, other things as well relating to the world of entertainment. And you can find us on C19 TV, or you can also check us out on WGWG.org. So we've got 26 minutes, give or take. And uh, we thought we would kind of cover some of the films and scores. And it could be TV, it could be video games, whatever, (laughs) documentaries, you can choose what speaks to you when you think about uh, John Williams and Christian. Uh, since uh, since you're kind of our expert here, I thought we'd start with you and you could give us a little background that you feel is important to know about Mr. Williams. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, when I think about John Williams, I really think about his impact he's had on me since childhood. It's hard to think back on my love of film, my love of anything without thinking of John Williams. Um, Even remembering as a kid playing the Lego Star Wars video game in elementary school and his score just throughout just stuck in my head. Um, You know, buying CDs back when there were CD stores still around of John Williams, you know, the best of him and the Boston Pops Orchestra. Um, So just personally, John Williams has been there throughout my entire life. But What's even more insane is that John Williams has been scoring films for decades and decades, going back to the 1950s, um, which is absolutely incredible. And, you know, chronologically speaking, I think his scores, um, an adaptation for Fiddler on the Roof, um, his work for um, a Western film, The Cowboys, and then um, even The Poseidon Adventure in 1972, some of those early scores for him, you can go back and listen. And even though it might not be the memorable scores that we all know, Star Wars, Indiana Jones, it's definitely, you can see the groundwork even in those very early films that he scored for, you know, the icon that he would later become. Yeah, and uh, I, I, I agree. I, I think it's just amazing when you look at his body of work and hundreds and hundreds of credits uh, attached to his name and, and even uncredited. Uh, he, 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 did, he played piano in Some Like It Hot and was uncredited in that. I mean, he's been a composer. Uh, he's been an actor as well. So he showed, he got four acting credits to his name. Most people don't think about that, but the uh, the acting credits to his name 
Uh, he was in the Rise of Skywalker. Did you know that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he was, uh, he was something. He was like in the droid shop, I believe. Yeah, <laughs> he was like a mechanic, sold spare parts, that kind of thing. So he, yeah. he should have been. He should have been an all up man. He should have shown up. I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, well. Um, what is it about uh, Williams that you feel speaks to you, Thomas? And give us and give us a score that stands out for you. Oh uh, yeah, so obviously uh, it is Star Wars first, and it always comes to mind for me. Um, and those movies, you know, I started watching those movies when I was four years old, maybe um, watching them on a bubble Mac computer with big, massive headphones. And then, you know, here we are, like 15, 16, 17 years later. I can't remember how old I am. Uh, I think. <laughs> let's see. That was 18, okay. <laughs> 18 years ago. Uh, anyway, anyway, so you know, now I'm watching these movies. Um, I'm watching these movies on 70 inch 4K home theater systems, and then watching some new movies in theaters that he's composed. Um, and you just think, uh, when you think back to his, you know, he he was pretty much the foundation of the entire franchise. I mean, other than George Lucas is John Williams. Uh, and you think about so many scenes. If you take out the music, it's just flat and empty. Like just look at the binary sunset scene. Um, and that's, I think that's one of my favorite musical cues of all time. And it's to the point now where you can just look at, you know, an image from that scene, just look at a still, a production still, and you can watch it or you can watch it without the volume and still clearly hear every note. Um, and that's, that's just a testament to the power of John Williams. And the fact that he came back to this franchise nine times over, four or five decades and he was nominated for an oscar for five of those times which is just five out of nine and i think he should have gotten more love for his work on the prequels uh, because his work on the prequels is some of the best um probably some of the best music in the entire franchise but it's just i think the thing with those films was he was the glue holding it all together um and uh there were other issues with the prequel films but you can't say that uh, John Williams had any issues whatsoever uh, pretty much his entire time that he composed music for Star Wars. Yeah, for me, when I think about the music of John Williams, it's, it is so, uh, so iconic. I mean, there are so many things that, like you said, you see an image and immediately you're transported to the soundtrack. And that is a really amazing thing to be able to do for, for a composer who's been doing it for so long and who's been doing it for so long and still find finds ways to uh, create new work and, and make it feel fresh uh, every time that he does something. For me, my first introduction to John Williams actually goes back to when I was a kid in the mid in the mid sixties, not the mid fifties, the mid sixties. Uh, there, there were a couple of TV shows that I loved. I love sci-fi. And uh, there was a, a TV show called the time tunnel. It was about time travel loved time travel movies and tv shows still do love reading books relating to that uh but the, the time tunnel uh, he did the theme for that um as well as lost in space and and both of those still just stick with me because as a child uh tv themes really meant something for, for television shows in the 60s and the 70s especially and uh, John Williams was connected to two of those that as a young, young child uh, kind of rooted uh, in my, my audio memories. So I'm going to mention the time tunnel and Lost in Space. And, uh, and, and Lost in Space did come back uh, for uh, kind of a, a reboot. Uh, and, and, and he uh, 
can still hear his impact on that as well. Fry Christian, back to you, buddy. Back to me. All right. Well, I know this is Meet Me at the Movies, but I can't help but think of Williams without thinking of some of his work outside of film as well. Um, his Olympic fanfare, we still hear every four years um, at the Olympics. It's iconic. I have trouble associating the Olympics without thinking of that in my head. His song for NBC News, um, his theme for NBC football. It's amazing how we have a composer that was able to so seamlessly transition between concert works and film works because we don't have too many that make that um, switch back and forth. So I think back to watching the Olympics, watching football every Sunday. And it's funny with things like that, I didn't even know it was Williams for a long time. And then it's like, you just have that suck in your head. You look it up later on and it's like, my gosh, what did Williams not impact over the course of his life that involves music? It's hard to think of anything. Yeah, you, you nailed it. His versatility is absolutely his versatility. All right, Thomas, go ahead. What? I mean, this is news to me. I had no idea that was John Williams who composed all that music. So, wow. Um, That's why we brought on Christian. He's yeah, the yeah. expert. He is. He is indeed. Yeah. 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 Um, but, uh, Noel, going back, uh, you talked about Lost in Space. Um, and, you know, I mentioned Star Wars earlier. So, uh, Williams, his relationship with, you know, cosmic, cosmic adventures and sci-fi, it's, um, it's very much um, kind of inherent in his music. Um, so I'm going to mention another one, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Mm -hmm. uh, and ultimately, this movie is about how the power and language of music can transcend universal boundaries. Um, and it's the scores, the, it's Williams, his music that's at the center of all of this. Um, and there are many parts of this movie that are deeply creepy and really get under your skin, but by the time you find out what the movie is really about, your entire perspective on the events of the film have been retroactively shifted. Um, and it's, it's really just a full circle moment and it's guiding you throughout this entire journey has been the score uh, from Williams. And I mean, a bit of a spoiler for a movie that's 46 years old. Um, <laughs> You know, the, the final scene, um, the, the encounter um, with those three notes. I think it's three notes. Boom, boom, boom. Or four. Yeah, yeah. Chris, Christian can back me up on that. But um, I think those, it's five. Is it five? <laughs> five. We're slowly getting there. Yeah, it's five notes. <laughs> I, I was close enough. Close enough. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, this suspense is too much. I hope it is. Five. <laughs> but but it's just yeah how you know five notes can connect civilizations from across the across the universe um it's just a really beautiful um just a beautiful philosophy to think of and um so close encounters is one of those um that i always always think back to What's oh, always yeah. fascinated me, oh, sorry, no. I was just no, gonna say what not... fascinated me about Close Encounters is that's the same year as Star Wars. And to have two films about, you know, space topics, then you couldn't have two more different scores either, um, but arguably equally iconic. Um, it's kind of funny, I was looking back and Close Encounters actually won the Grammy in 1977 for best soundtrack album over Star Wars. And then Williams won the Oscar for Star Wars over Close Encounters. But to have two powerhouse scores that are so different, but also so equally well recognized is just amazing within the span of a year.
Yeah, it, it is. I mean, that's just, if, if that was all he ever did was that year, you know, <laughs> you got something to live up to, but, but we're, you know, we're continuing to look at what he has continued to do uh, over these decades. You know, Thomas, you talked about uh, things being kind of creepy and getting under your skin, kind of like you do for most of us here on this show. I, I can't think about things getting creepy and under your skin without thinking about disaster films, because mm -hmm. whenever there's a disaster film, you, you never know what's going to happen. And is it going to be creepy? Are you going to die? You know, is the ceiling going to fall in on you? You already talked about Poseidon Adventure. You mentioned that, Christian, earlier, but a couple of others. Uh, and that these are these were two within the very same year as well. A movie called Earthquake uh, and A Towering Inferno. Uh, both of those uh, had, you know, soundtracks that were, were iconic, especially within that, the 70s. The 70s, just huge for disaster-related films, and John Williams was right there, right there uh, in, in the mix of it. And, and i got to say, uh, Adam Long, our buddy, uh, first film he ever saw, one of his favorites is Towering Inferno. So I know that Williams probably had a little bit to do with that as well. Oh, yeah. And I mean, hand-in-hand hand with disaster films, I don't know that Williams has ever touched a true quote-unquote horror film but you've got scores right around that same era like Jaws that very much use the same music, um, kind of atonal, not quite as memorable melodies. I mean, in Jaws' case, you've got those two notes going back and forth, but really great genre that Williams has been a part of. A few decades later, Jurassic Park getting to do a lot with the dinosaur horror elements and even War of the Worlds in the mid-2000s. Um, so yeah, I've always loved that even though disaster films require a much different score than like a space epic or an adventure, Williams found ways to make it just as iconic to where you mention Jaws and you think of those two notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jaws, again, you know, Thomas, you were talking about earlier that you, you can't think of certain films or certain images without not thinking about the music of John Williams and Jaws is absolutely one of those, is absolutely yeah. one of those. We're gonna take a quick intermission right here on Meet Me at the Movies. We're celebrating uh, the music and the life and legacy through film and, and, and other, uh, other things as well. Uh, John Williams, uh, John Williams, nine plus decades. This guy uh, is, is continuing to, to give, us, uh, give us work and uh, work that we look back on and just uh, continue to be amazed. So uh, hang around for more after this quick intermission. I'm Noel Manning, hanging out with Thomas uh, and Christian Jessup, our uh, musical expert guest right here on Meet Me at Movies. Listen up. Do you have a passion for cooking? A desire to learn more about the craft of professional food preparation? If so, now's a great time to check out Cleveland Community College's brand new Culinary Arts Academy. This exciting three-month program offers hands-on training for jobs in the food service industry. Across the nation, food service is one of the fastest growing industries. With your training at CCC's Culinary Arts Academy, you can compete for jobs in hotels, restaurants, conference centers, cruise ships, and other settings. 
Enroll in CCC's program and you'll gain in-depth training in food procedures, preparation, and commercial kitchen operations. Plus, the program includes a special add-on. You'll get your certificate in cardiopulmonary resuscitation, or CPR, training. You can earn good money, too. Depending on where you work, starting salaries range from $20,000 to $50,000. In just 12 weeks, you can be well on your way to gaining the know-how to handle food safely, properly, as a true professional. Now ask yourself, are you ready to start your journey today at CCC? Back to meet me at the movies, Nolte Manning the second with Thomas Manning and Christian Jessup joining us all the way from Eastern North Carolina. I, I guess it's, it's Eastern. Is that is that correct? Eastern North Carolina. I think we call it Eastern. We're always yeah. on the eastern side. Yeah. I'm closer okay. to the beach and the mountains, so that, that's Eastern. All right, all right. Well, welcome. <laughs> uh, we we are talking uh, John Williams, uh, his life, his legacy, and uh, all that he brings to the world of cinema and beyond. Right here on Meet Me at the Movies on C19 TD and WGWG. Uh, Thomas, uh, I think it's, it's your turn to, to chime in and give us some thoughts on uh, other scores and films that connect to you relating to John Williams. Yes, yeah, so Christian, uh, other side of the break, you mentioned a little bit Jurassic Park and just the terror and the horror that he's able to capture with, with dinosaurs, with you know apex predators. Um, but also there's another feeling that he can capture the or that he does capture in Jurassic Park is just, you know, the, if you have the question of what does wonder sound like, what does, you know, grandeur sound like, it's, he captures that with the first scene we see of the, uh, the dinosaurs where, uh, where Sam Neill is there fumbling with his glasses and, you know, takes them off and just that swooping, uh, just grand music that you hear. Um, and I think, you know, that's, that's the answer to the question of what does wonder sound like it sounds like that um so jurassic park is definitely one that comes to mind and then you know a similar question um going back uh, about a decade earlier to indiana jones if you're asking what does adventure sound like i, I think i think john williams literally created the sound of adventure with the score yeah. for uh raiders of the lost ark um and it's it's interesting that Indiana Jones is pretty much in that same era of Star Wars, but the world of Indiana Jones is so much different in that it's rooted in historical fiction and much more grounded in reality. Um, and just that once again goes to show his versatility. Um, so Indiana Jones and Jurassic Park are uh, two that, um, you know, you can't, can't think about those without thinking of John Williams. Oh, I agree completely on that. Any, any follow-up thoughts? Christian on, oh, on that. I mean, I completely agree. I love the way you phrase that, Thomas, of what does wonder sound like? What does adventure sound like? Because I think it, it's, you know, music speaks when words fail. And I think that's the perfect way to, to put it is you play that music and you conjure those emotions. And he seems to do it effortlessly. Um, I, I am obsessed with Williams. I've got 
the Raiders March here. So it's really fun to, to pull that out during the film or even listen to the album and, and follow along with his score. And I mean, it's just incredible just to see the little nuances even that, that he's able to, to bring to that, that help those feelings come to life. Well, I, I, when I think about adventure, I think about wonder, I also think about heroism and mm -hmm. you think about uh, Superman, um, the, the film Superman that uh, back from the 78, uh, you know, he uh, helped bring that to life as well. And uh, again, just these, uh, these themes that stick with you and Christian, one of the things you've talked about before is that uh, you don't feel that the MCU, even though it's been able to capture our imaginations from a movie going experience, the themes, uh, the scores overall have not been able to capture it like John Williams had been able to do before. Yeah, absolutely. And I do think I'll acknowledge that they've gotten better in that capacity but I don't think they're quite there yet. And I think it's honestly hard to without someone of William's caliber, which arguably you have few to none in, in his arena, um, because a lot of factors contribute. William's ability to write melodies, just melodies that stick in your head, that you can hum, that are very easy to remember. It's second to none. It's very hard for a composer, myself included, to write a melody that's just so easily hummable and memorable. Um, and second, a lot of composers nowadays, in the interest of sticking with a grounded realism in films, don't even want to write a theme that might necessarily be hummable. And it makes the films, like it makes the music work well within the context of the films, but you don't necessarily leave the film remembering that music. And so you kind of have to have a composer and a director who's willing to let that composer try stuff out and give them the space to do something iconic. I would think of, if we're going to talk about the MCU, I think of Alan Silvestri's Avengers theme. And I think one of the reasons that works so well is he was willing to take a big swing with the melody and the directors of those films were willing to give areas without dialogue, without sound effects, where you could just showcase that. Thinking of the portal scene in Avengers Endgame, you've got a full minute to minute and a half of pretty much just music. And the reason that I think the Avengers theme sticks in people's heads now is just because you have that space. You have the opening crawl of Star Wars. You have the iconic opening titles of Indiana Jones. And when directors are willing to give composers that space to, you know what, unleash, write whatever music you want here and it's gonna play full volume, you get some really great stuff and, and Williams does it better than anyone. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thomas, dive in, because I know that you are a a big fan of, of Marvel uh, as well as superhero films and the portal scene in particular. Uh, any any thoughts you want to share on looking at what Williams may have been able to do for some of the MCU films? Wow, I was muted there for a minute, but we're good now. <laughs> I want to go back to what Christian was talking about uh, with melodies and um, one of Williams' melodies that uh, I think does a great job capturing the core sound of like innocence and then childlike curiosity. Um, it's, it's ET of course. Um, and that's, you know, that, that childlike nature is something that's common regardless of the galaxy that you call home. Um, and it's that relationship between ET and Elliot. Um, one of the big reasons you feel the way you do about that connection there, um, is because of the language of the music um, and a few years ago I, I did a lot of research on Spielberg and his interpretation of aliens uh, between Close Encounters of the Third Kind and E.T. 
Um, and I'm, both of y'all are familiar with my research for that because it was actually for your class, uh, uh, Noel. So um, you, you may remember that. Um, <laughs> so, um, and you know, I, I was really um, fascinated to see that that collaborative partnership between Spielberg and Williams there. Um, and just, um, you know, I think between both E.T. and Close Encounters, there is a very recognizable melody that you can have or that you hear in both of those. Um, and that um, it's just the hummable nature of Williams' music. Um, I think that's one of the things that separates him from um, so many other composers is just he has pretty much locked on to what gets into people's heads and just sticks with them um, and it's just that hummable quality you know absolutely yeah. fun yeah. story about E.T. as well um, for the big finale Spielberg actually extended it by a few seconds because Williams music was so great and it just lasted a little bit longer than what the cut was and Spielberg was like, I don't know what music to tell you to cut out. So I'm going to find 15 or 20 seconds more footage that we can wow. stick in here. And I mean, that's just, I mean, talk about the power of music where it's like, no, we're going to prioritize the music over everything else in this film here. Yeah. And, and the power of, of great musicians and mm -hmm. great songwriters. And that's, you know, you can have the music itself. Yeah, it's powerful, but you've got to have someone who knows what they're doing, who can mm -hmm. make it happen. And he does. I mean, even bad films or, or films that were not critically acclaimed like 1941 you know his impact uh, on films like that uh, really really stellar and you talk about the versatility of what he's done from tv to tv uh, tv themes to film to uh, the olympics uh, but he's also when you look at his body of work from a filmmaking standpoint everything from drama to sci-fi to horror uh, and really everything in between, um, you know, even some um, dramedies. And I, I think that's just uh, amazing because I'm not all composers are able to do that. Some composers get locked in to only one style and they're, they're amazing at that, but that's the only thing they're, they're kind of the go-to composers for. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, like you said, they're amazing at it. You know, Hans Zimmer is one of my favorite composers, but people definitely associate him with a certain type of sound. Same with Alexander Dupla. Um, you've got very famous composers that are wonderful at what they do, but might not have the range that Williams has demonstrated. And it, it's just incredible to see. All right, Thomas. Uh, so it's your turn. We've got just one left, uh, time enough for one left. So go, so go for it. Tell me what, what film would you make sure you wanted to mention connected to John Williams? Yeah, yeah. So I think I might be taking Christian's answer here, but uh, I'm going to be talking about Saving Private Ryan. And this isn't one of those movies that when you think about it, you immediately think about the music. But when you're watching it, you can't help but feel the music and just feel what it's bringing to it. And obviously, when a lot of people think of Saving Private Ryan, they think of that like 30 minute sequence on the beach. And that one, I don't think there's even any music during that portion of it. It's just pure sound design, just the pure chaos of the environment but then um that kind of juxtaposed that that lack of music they're juxtaposed in other scenes where the music is carrying it just um that kind of emotional balance there is uh what really sticks with you and um you know christian if you want to touch more on you know saving private ryan and the music and that 
Yeah, absolutely. And you did steal my answer. So I'll, I'll come up with a different one for mine. <laughs> but you're absolutely right. And, and I think Noel had me on here a few years ago just talking about some of my favorite film scores and Saving Private Ryan was one of them. And it's for that exact same reason, because the music is used so sparingly when it is in the film, it is so powerful. You've got that 30 minute D-Day sequence. And then right afterwards, you're seeing the aftermath of things. And that's when Williams music comes in. And it's incredible, um, just absolutely beautiful. I could go score by score of his and just go on for hours about how great they are. Didn't even mention the guy still writes with pencil and paper. That's how he composes scores, doesn't touch a computer, um, doesn't use any like assistant composers. Modern films is like scoring by committee. You've got three to 10 guys writing on one film. John Williams still does it all by himself. Yeah. I mean, I could go on and on, but the guy's yeah. a legend. And I think we've at least done a good job of touching on that with today's yeah. episode. I think so too. And I think we've done a nice job uh, capturing uh, the, the many uh, decades of his work and, and where you can find his work. And we're going to leave you with a John Williams quote. Uh, he says, I don't make a particular distinction between high art and low art. Music is there for everybody. It's a river we can all put our cups into and drink it and be sub sustained by it. Christian, thanks for joining us. Christian Jessup, we appreciate you, man. Good to see you back again. Thanks for having me. And Thomas Manning, thanks again for uh, just uh, messing things up and uh, yep. making us have to restart about 12 or 15 times. But I wouldn't <laughs> expect pleasure. anything pleasure. else. Yep. That's, I mean, what I, that's, that's why I've got you here, man. Listen, uh, I mean, I learned it from my father, so. Yeah. <laughs> yes, uh, we, we all have those father figures that we need to, to look, look to for those things. So until next time, before meet me at the movies, for Christian, for Thomas, I'm Nolte Man II. That's a wrap. Mm -hmm.